chapter eighteen of the garys and their friends by frank webb this librivox recording is in the public domain mr stevens falls into bad hands the amiable partner of mr stevens sat in high dudgeon at being so long restrained from her favourite beverage by the unusually deferred absence of her husband at length she was rejoiced by hearing his well-known step as he came through the garden and the rattle of his latch-key as he opened the door was quite musical in her ears i thought you was never coming said she querulously as he entered the room i've been waiting tea until i'm almost starved you needn't have waited a moment for you will be obliged to eat alone after all i'm going out pour me out a cup of tea i'll drink it whilst i'm dressing and continued mr stevens i want you to get me that old brown overcoat and those striped trousers i used to wear occasionally why you told me rejoined mrs stevens that you did not require them again and so i exchanged them for this pair of vases to-day the devil you did said mr stevens angrily you let them lie about the house for nearly a year and now just as they were likely to be of some service to me you've sold them it's just like you always doing something at the wrong time how on earth stevens was i to know you wanted them well they're jewel they are gone don't let's have any more talk about it give me another cup of tea i must go out immediately after hastily swallowing the second cup mr stevens left his home and walked to an omnibus station from whence he was quickly transported to a street in the lower part of the city in which were a number of second-hand clothing stores these places were supported principally by the country people who attended the market in the same street and who fancied that the clothing they purchased at these shops must be cheap because it was at second-hand mr stevens stopped at the door of one of these establishments and paused to take a slight survey of the premises before entering the doorway was hung with coats of every fashion of the last twenty years and all in various stages of decay some of them looked quite respectable from much cleaning and patching and others presented a reckless and forlorn aspect as their worn and ragged sleeves swung about in the evening air old hats some of which were in all probability worn at a period anterior to the revolution kept company with the well-blacked shoes that were ranged on shelves beside the doorway where they served in the capacity of signs and fairly indicated the style of goods to be purchased within seeing that there were no buyers in the store 
mr stevens opened the door and entered the sounds of his footsteps drew from behind the counter no less a personage than our redoubtable friend kinch who in the absence of his father was presiding over the establishment well snowball said mr stevens do you keep this curiosity shop my name is not snowball and this ain't a curiosity shop replied kinch do you want to buy anything i believe i do answered mr stevens let me look at some coats one that i can get on i won't say fit me indifferent about that let me see some of the worst you've got kinch looked surprised at this request from a gentleman of mr stevens's appearance and handed out quite mechanically a coat that was but slightly worn oh that won't do i want something like this said mr stevens taking down from a peg a very dilapidated coat of drab colour and peculiar cut what do you ask for this that's not fit for a gentleman like you sir said kinch i'm the best judge of that matter rejoined mr stevens what is the price of it oh that coat you can have for a dollar replied kinch then i'll take it now hand out some trousers the trousers were brought and from a large number mr stevens selected a pair that suited him then adding an old hat to his list of purchases he declared his fit-out complete can't you accommodate me with some place where i can put these on he asked of kinch i'm going to have a little sport with some friends of mine and i want to wear them kinch led the way into a back room where he assisted mr stevens to array himself in his newly purchased garments by the change in his attire he seemed completely robbed of all appearance of respectability the most disagreeable points of his physique seemed to be brought up more prominently forward by the habiliments he had assumed they being quite in harmony with his villainous countenance kinch who looked at him with wonder was forced to remark why you don't look a bit like a gentleman now sir mr stevens stepped forward and surveyed himself in the looking-glass the transformation was complete surprising even to himself i never knew before said he mentally how far a suit of clothes goes towards giving one the appearance of a gentleman he now emptied the pockets of the suit he had on in so doing he dropped upon the floor without observing it one of the papers fold these up said he handing to kinch the suit he had just taken off and to-morrow bring them to this address as he spoke he laid his card upon the counter and after paying for his new purchases walked out of the shop and bent his steps in the direction of whittakar's tavern on arriving there he found the bar-room crowded with half-drunken men the majority of whom were irishmen armed with bludgeons of all sizes and shapes his appearance amongst them excited but little attention and he remained there some time before he was recognized by the master of the establishment by the howly saint patrick i didn't know you squire what have you been doing to yourself hist cried mr stevens putting his fingers to his lips i thought it was best to see how matters were progressing so i've run down for a little while how are you getting on fine fine squire replied whittaker 
the boys are ripe for anything they talk of burning down a nigger church not to-night they must not do such a thing to-night we are not ready for that yet i've made out a little list some of the places on it they might have a dash at to-night just to keep their hands in as mr stephen spoke he fumbled in his pocket for the list in question and was quite surprised to be unable to discover it can't you find it squire asked whittaker i must have lost it on the way replied mr stevens i'm sure i put it in this pocket and he made another search no use i'll have to give it up said he at length but where is mccloskey i haven't seen him since i came in he came here this afternoon very far gone he had been crooking his elbow pretty frequently and was so very drunk that i advised him to go home and go to bed so he took another dram and went away and i haven't seen him since that's bad very bad everything goes wrong this evening i wanted him to-night particularly wouldn't the boys go out with you suggested whittaker no no that wouldn't do at all i mustn't appear in these things if i'm hauled up for participation who is to be your lawyer eh true for you rejoined whittaker and i'll just disperse the crowd as soon as i can and there will be one peaceable night in the district at any rate not liking to give directions to the mob personally and his useful coadjutor mccloskey not being at hand mr stevens came to the conclusion he would return to his home and on the next evening a descent should be made upon the places marked on the list taking out his watch he found it would be too late to return to the store where he had purchased his present adornments so he determined to start for home the coat that temporarily adorned the person of mr stevens was of peculiar cut and colour it was in fact rather in the rowdy style and had in its pristine state bedecked the person of a member of a notorious fire company these gentry had for a long time been the terror of the district in which they roamed and had rendered themselves highly obnoxious to some of the rival factions on the borders of their own territory they had the unpleasant habit of pitching into and maltreating without the slightest provocation any one whom their practised eyes discovered to be a rival and by such outrages they had excited in the bosoms of their victims a desire for revenge that only awaited the occasion to manifest itself mr stephen's unhappy unconsciousness that owing to his habiliments he represented one of the well-known and hated faction walked on quite leisurely but unfortunately for him his way home lay directly through the camp of their bitterest and most active enemies standing in front of a tavern window through which a bright light shone were a group of young men who bestowed upon mr stevens more than passing attention i'm blessed exclaimed one of them if there ain't a ranger now that is a saucy piece of business ain't it that fellow has come up here to be able to go back and play brag game let's wallop him then suggested another and teach him better than to come parading himself in our parts i owe him something for the way they served me when i was down in their district well come on said the first speaker or he will get away whilst we are jawing about what we shall do advancing to mr stevens he tapped that gentleman on the shoulder and said with mock civility and in as bland a tone as he could assume it's really very obliging of you mister to come up here to be flogged saves us the trouble of coming down to you 
we would like to settle with you for that drubbing you gave one of our boys last week you must be mistaken replied mr stevens i don't know anything of the affair to which you allude you don't eh well take that then to freshen your memory exclaimed one of the party at the same time dealing him a heavy blow on the cheek which made the lamplights around appear to dance about in the most fantastic style the first impulse of mr stevens was to cry out for the watchman but a moment's reflection suggested the impolicy of that project as he would inevitably be arrested with the rest and to be brought before a magistrate in his present guise would have entailed upon him very embarrassing explanations he therefore thought it best to beg off to throw himself as it were upon their sympathies stop gentlemen stop for god's sake stop he cried as soon as he could regain the breath that had been almost knocked out of him by the tremendous blow he had just received don't kill an innocent man upon my honour i never saw you before nor ever assaulted any of you in my life my dear friends he continued in a dolorous tone please let me go you are quite mistaken i assure you i am not the man no we ain't mistaken either you are one of the rangers i know you by your coat replied one of the assaulters it now flashed upon mr stevens that he had brought himself into these difficulties by the assumption of the dress he then wore he therefore quickly rejoined oh it is not my coat i only put it on for a joke that's a likely tale responded one of the party who looked very incredulous i don't believe a word of it that's some darn stuff you've trumped up thinking to gammon us it won't go down we'll just give you a walloping if it's only to teach you to wear your own clothes and suiting the action to the word he commenced pummeling him unmercifully help help screamed mr stevens don't kill me gentlemen don't kill me oh we won't kill you we'll only come as near as we can without quite finishing you cried one of his relentless tormentors on hearing this their victim made a frantic effort to break away and not succeeding in it he commenced yelling at the top of his voice as is usual in such cases the watchman was nowhere to be seen and his cries only exasperated his persecutors the more hit him in the bread-crusher and stop his noise suggested one of the party farthest off from mr stevens this piece of advice was carried into immediate effect and the unfortunate wearer of the obnoxious coat received a heavy blow in the mouth which cut his lips and knocked out one of his front teeth his cries now became so loud as to render it necessary to gag him which was done by one of the party in the most thorough and expeditious manner they then dragged him into a wheelwright's shop near by where they obtained some tar with which they coated his face completely oh don't he look like a nigger said one of the party when they had finished embellishing their victim rub some on his hands and then let him go suggested another when he gets home i guess he'll surprise his mammy i don't believe his own dog will know him a shout of laughter followed this remark in the midst of which they ungagged mr stevens and turned him from the door now run for it cut the quickest kind of time exclaimed one of them as he gave him a kick to add impetus to his forward movement this aid was however entirely unnecessary for mr stevens shot away from the premises like an arrow from a bow and that too without any observation upon the direction in which he was going as soon as he felt himself out of reach of his tormentors he sat down upon the steps of a mansion to consider what was best to be done all the shops and even the taverns were closed not a place was open where he could procure the least assistance 
he had not even an acquaintance in the neighbourhood to whom he might apply he was indeed a pitiable object to look upon the hat he had so recently purchased bad as it was when it came into his possession was now infinitely less presentable in the severe trials it had undergone in company with its unfortunate owner it had lost its tip and half the brim the countenance beneath it would however have absorbed the gazer's whole attention his lips were swelled to a size that would have been regarded as large even on the face of a congo negro and one eye was puffed out to an alarming extent whilst the coating of tar he had received rendered him such an object as the reader can but faintly picture to himself the door of the mansion was suddenly opened and there issued forth a party of young men evidently in an advanced state of intoxication hello here's a darkey exclaimed one of them as the light from the hall fell upon the upturned face of mr stephen ha ha here's a darkey now for some fun mr stephens was immediately surrounded by half a dozen well-dressed young men who had evidently been enjoying an entertainment not conducted upon temperance principles spirit of hick hick night whence coco comest thou stammered once bespeak art thou a creature of the mag mag nation goblin damned or only a nigger speak mr stephens who at once recognized one or two of the parties as slight acquaintances would not open his mouth for fear that his voice might discover him as to them above all persons he would have shrunk from making himself known he therefore began to make signs as though he were dumb let him alone said one of the more sober of the party he's a poor dumb fellow let him go his voice was disregarded however as the rest seemed bent on having some sport a half hogshead nearly filled with water which stood upon the edge of the pavement for the convenience of the builders who were at work next door caught the attention of one of them let's make him jump into this he exclaimed at the same time motioning to mr stevens to that effect by dint of great effort they made him understand what was required and they then continued to make him jump in and out of the hogshead for several minutes then joining hands they danced around him whilst he stood knee-deep in the water shivering and making the most imploring motions to be set at liberty whilst they were thus engaged the door again opened and the fashionable mr morton who had been one of the guests descended the steps and came to see what had been productive of so much mirth what have you got here he asked pressing forward until he saw the battered form of mr stevens oh let the poor darkey go he continued compassionately for he had just drunk enough to make him feel humane let the poor fellow go it's a shame to treat him in this manner as he spoke he endeavoured to take from the hands of one of the party a piece of chip with which he was industriously engaged in streaking the face of mr stevens with lime let me alone morton let me alone i'm making a white man of him i'm going to make him a glorious fellow-citizen and have him run for congress let me alone i say mr morton was able however after some persuasion to induce the young men to depart and as his home lay in a direction opposite to theirs he said to mr stevens come on old fellow i'll protect you as soon as they were out of hearing of the others mr stevens exclaimed don't you know me morton mr morton started back with surprise and looked at his companion in a bewildered manner then exclaimed no i'll be hanged if i do who the devil are you i'm stevens you know me indeed i don't who's stevens you don't know me why i'm george stevens the lawyer mr morton thought that he now recognized the voice and as they were passing under the lamp at the time mr stevens said to him 
put your finger on my face and you will soon see it is only tar mr morton did as he was desired and found his finger smeared with the sticky article what on earth have you been doing with yourself he asked with great surprise what is all this masquerading for mr stevens hereupon related his visit at whittakar's and detailed the events that had subsequently occurred mr morton gave vent to shouts of laughter as he listened to the recital of his friend by george he exclaimed i'll have to tell that it is too good to keep oh no don't said mr stevens that won't do you forget what i came out for true rejoined mr morton i suppose it will be best to keep mum about it i'll go home with you you might fall into the hands of the philistines again thank you thank you replied mr stevens who felt greatly relieved to have some company for his further protection and continued he if i could only get some of this infernal stuff off my face i should be so glad let us try accordingly they stopped at the nearest pump and endeavoured to remove some of the obnoxious tar from his face but unfortunately the only result obtained by their efforts was to rub it more thoroughly in so they were compelled to give up in despair and hasten onward mr stevens rang so loudly at the door as to quite startle his wife and the charity girl both of whom had fallen into a sound sleep as they sat together awaiting his return mr morton who as we have said before was not entirely sober was singing a popular melody and keeping time upon the door with the head of his cane now in all her life mrs stevens had never heard her husband utter a note and being greatly frightened at the unusual noise upon the doorstep held a hurried consultation with the charity girl upon the best mode of proceeding call through the keyhole ma'am suggested she which advice mrs stevens immediately followed and inquired who's there open the door jewel don't keep me out here with your darn nonsense let me in quick yes let him in added mr morton he's brought a gentleman from africa with him mrs stevens did not exactly catch the purport of the words uttered by mr morton and therefore when she opened the door and her husband with his well-blacked face stalked into the entry she could not repress a scream of fright at the hideous figure he presented hush hush he exclaimed don't arouse the neighbours it's me don't you know my voice mrs stevens stared at him in a bewildered manner and after bidding mr morton good-night she closed and locked the door and followed her husband into the back room in a short time he recapitulated the events of the night to his astonished and indignant spouse who greatly commiserated his misfortunes a bottle of sweet oil was brought into requisition and she made a lengthened effort to remove the tar from her husband's face in which she only partially succeeded and it was almost day when he crawled off to bed with the skin half scraped off from his swollen face End of chapter eighteen